What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I personally think that Josh Sargent should be the number nine. My biggest concern is that Mexico does tend to make those little mistakes defensively. But it's the inconsistencies. With the Where's thing the mistake consistent though? He's going to well, be on the ground for the majority the, of the time. No, look back at highlights. That, no, that's, if that's you the have... Christian Pulisic treatment though. Same. We're going to have to stop this. We're going to start arguing on this podcast, aren't we? Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Real Football Show. As always, I'm Lizzie, U.S. editor over at 90 Min with co-host Gino Ganello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? It's been, uh, I feel like it's been forever since we've talked, considering we were doing podcasts so often during the World Cup, but now that all the CONCACAF teams are out, we don't have to do that. So, uh, you know, things are going well, you know, semifinals today, so. Semifinals today. Should be fun. Um, Yeah, I'm actually thoroughly enjoying this U.S. men's national team implosion. I thought for a little while Mexico would be the only CONCACAF team to do so after the World Cup. Why would that be? But we're not alone. (laughs) No, we are not alone. So let's dive right into it. There's been headlines, chaos, everything and anything under the sun. So we're here to explain it all, Um, mainly the recent fallout. (laughs) So much fun. We're going to have a lot of fun today. I can really at tell. At least I am. Let's get Yes, at it. least you are. So basically, a couple days ago, um, head coach Greg Berhalter spoke at a summit where he referenced certain events and situations that happened at the World Cup. He specifically spoke of an example within the locker room, did not mention any players, did not name players specifically, but spoke of things that were going on behind the scenes. And in this, he highlighted indiscipline incidents. He mentioned a player was not giving it their all. They were lazy to a certain extent during trainings, which consequentially led to their involvement at the World Cup. Now, obviously, right after that came out and became public, it was inferred that it was Gio Reyna given the entire spectacle and the outcries by fans, journalists, that Gio Reyna was simply not playing in the tournament. The Athletic picked up these quotes and other media followed in as well. We have it on our website, um, Yahoo Sports, USA Today. Everyone picked up the quotes and then... Greg Berhalter's camp came out and said that it was supposed to be off the record. 
Now, I do want to make a point and say that this summit had a lot of people there, and this might be an obscure reference and not sports related, but if any listener watched the Hannah Montana movie at the end (laughs) where she takes off her wig and says, I'm Miley Cyrus in front of like thousands of people at a concert and then goes, but keep my secret. Just blew my mind because this is what I envisioned when I read that these examples and these quotes were supposed to be off record. Now, um, it was Charter Newsletter, I believe, that came out with these quotes and came out with the example, and it snowballed. After his example came to light, people kept speculating. Obviously, Gio's name popped up, and then stories started popping out, internal situations. Obviously, we know that there was a story about a vote. When Berhalter said, we almost sent a player home, it incited this idea that it was put up into a survival style vote where Gio Reyna, um, his future with the team was voted at the World Cup. 13 voted for him to stay, 12 voted for him to leave. Now, Taylor Twelman disproved this voting situation, though many claim that there was a vote put up, but not to the players, more likely the coaching staff and certain leaders, which I personally wouldn't be surprised of, though the 13 versus 12 is not true. And there's so many other things that that's popped up since Greg Verhalter let out this crazy, scandalous example. Um, and before we get to what Gio Reyna responded, I think it's important to delve into this situation as a whole. I personally, though I understand the no player is bigger than the team, I'm fondly, I agree to a 100%. And though internally, I think to a certain extent it was handled correctly, though we don't know all the facts, to out a player and make that public is absolutely inexcusable and disrespectful. You keep all of that internal. To what extent will a player now trust Greg Berhalter to keep a secret, to keep a situation private, or to respect the rules of a locker room? He completely just went above and beyond to make a situation public, and he went against rules that he himself set up within the team. So inexcusable from me. I wanted to let you finish and, and spew all the facts first before I, I said anything. I didn't want to interrupt. I wanted to make sure we got it all out okay. there so everybody knew the full story. Um, but yeah, I mean, what did he expect? There's one player who everybody was like, oh, why didn't they play at the World Cup? And it is not like who, who did like who did like you can't just be like, oh, now here's an example one player at this past tournament didn't play a lot. And he was like, it was basically saying that it was geo, no matter what, like, I mean, it was very obvious that it was geo. So going into that, why even mention that? Because everybody in the world is going to know it's geo. The journalists are going to get on it. They're going to start reaching out to their sources. That story is eventually going to get leaked. So, you know, I mean, you can't have it. It can't happen. And also, I do want to point out, we spoke directly with Greg Berhalter prior to the tournament, and 
I've interviewed him in the past. Everything he says is no mistake. I don't want to necessarily use the word calculated, but the man knows how to handle interviews and understands public relations. Well, this is why he did it, right? It's it's so he can cover his own, you know what, you know, so he can cover himself because everybody's like, oh, why did you play Gio? You're terrible. You're terrible. And then he says this as like, oh man, there's a player that we had to do this. And so everybody's like, oh, and now it's like, oh, well maybe Gio wasn't, you know, his expected react, his expected you know, reaction from the fans was going to be, oh, well, maybe Gio isn't the player we thought he was. Maybe he's just a bit selfish. Maybe Berhalter wasn't wrong to play him. And so people get back on his side as he's going for a new contract or as he's looking for these at these European clubs, which has well, been put I, out there I as don't well. Think it, I don't think it landed the way he expected it to, but the idea of saying this was supposed to be off record to me silly to a certain extent, because you know, as a head coach, the responsibilities that lie in every single word that you say. And you can see how he thinks of everything. When I asked him personally back in August, how he hoped to handle the Mexican American situation when it comes to dual nationality players, picking one side or the other, how he hopes to make Mexican-Americans feel comfortable to represent a country that often has not accepted their culture and their parents' culture. And the way he phrased that answer was well done, calculated, very pleasant. He didn't get into any trouble. He didn't say anything incendiary. Um, He handled that very well, and he knows how to speak. That's why in my head, there's no chance that this was... uh, Guys, let me tell you on the down low what's going on. Yeah. You know? And hopefully no one will say anything. Like, yeah. you expected things to come out. And I mean, as a, as, as people who work in journalism, right? Like, we know unless somebody says it's off the record directly, then any person who is talking there, or if that person's talking to a crowd of journalists or whatever, any of them can say, oh, well, he was speaking at the crowd of people, you know. Right. This wasn't a one-on-one situation. This yeah. Was this is summit. like, you need to say this is off the record. This isn't just like, oh, like I'm, you know, like that's just how it is. And this is, you know, but not just. Even an off the record situation doesn't automatically justify the fact that oh, you're yeah, telling yeah. a group, a room full of people. Yeah. And I won't speculate on how many people were there because I simply don't know. Yeah. But whether that may be 5, 20, or 250, it's still inexcusable for you to say out loud something that happened inside a locker room when you promised players confidentiality. Yeah. So that in and of itself, inexcusable. I, I don't completely understand what went through his head, but... Anyway, oh, and also, there was no way that he thought this wouldn't snowball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it's off the record, there's no chance this wasn't going to snowball. But anyway, um, obviously, stories came out afterwards, and there was about a 24-hour period where no one responded. But then yeah. beyond Gio Reyna's camp and representatives, he put out a statement on social media, which will put up in a second yeah basically addressing situations that he hoped 
not to express. And he starts from the beginning saying, and, and before we get into this, I, I believe yeah. I read somewhere, this is not the first time that a U.S. men's national team staffer has released this type of information that is supposed to it be meant not. internal because it, yes, it's Greg, but then there were leaks that it was Gio who, or that it was G like, it Gio was Reyna. confirmed shortly after these comments came out that it was Gio Reyna from U.S. men's national team staffers. And then the details start to come out here and there. So this isn't the first time that this has happened under the Greg Berhalter, you know, leadership. So yeah. before we get into this, note that this is not the it's first not the time first this time. has happened. No. Um, but Gio Reyna then addressed the situation personally on a Instagram post explaining he hoped not to have to comment on this, but he will do so. And there's certain quotes that personally stuck um, stood out to me. Mm. I mean, there was a lot to unpack as a whole, but the main point was saying, I hope that going forward, each person involved in U.S. So in U.S. soccer focuses only on what is in the best interest of the men's national team. To me, spoke volumes. Yeah. And then, obviously, Coach Berhalter has always said that issues that arise with the team will stay in-house. Yeah. That, to me, was the classiest way of calling someone out. Yeah. No, really, it really is. Because, I mean, and, and granted, you know, I, I, what I will say in terms of that la last line, U.S. soccer, everyone is, in terms of U.S. soccer focuses only on you know, the, the best interest, what is in the best interest of the men's national team. Let's be fair here to both sides. Gio needs to learn from this too, because he, he can't does. come of into the camp sulking around because in fairness to Greg Berhalter, Gio was not focused on what's best for us soccer coming into coming into this tournament. But if we're talking about this, that again, this was supposed to be kept in house. No one was supposed to release this information. There's definitely a leak somewhere in there. And then on top of Greg Berhalter also mentioning these things, but it was a very classy way. I thought this was a very um, good way to come out and, and say, listen, I was wrong and, and, and get out in front of it and say, listen, like I did the wrong thing. I came in, the things you're hearing are be about me are correct, but I promise I will not, this won't happen again. But at the same time, this was supposed to be kept in house and it wasn't. And for that, I, you know, I feel like that's wrong. And I, I think this was a really good way of doing that. Yeah. And he did mention, I apologize to my teammates and the coach for this. And I was told that I was forgiven. Yeah. That statement is so sad to me because it's obviously he's a 20 year old. He needs to mature. Things need to happen. He needs to learn from his mistakes, which it sounds like he did. He was forgiven. It was put behind him. But these leaks and Greg Berhalter outing him for this incident makes it stick to his permanent record to a certain extent yeah. in a way that it should never have. Yeah, it's I mean, the mistake of a 20 year old in the yeah. biggest stage, which that's, I guess, why you have a coach a captain, leaders within the team to guide you. It sounded to me like prior to this incident, his behavior was handled correctly. Mm -hmm. I don't know about the vote. I don't know about the publicity of this internally, but holding a player accountable for his actions was done. Yeah. And it was done correctly and internally, mm -hmm. but making this public, I think was way beyond 
the limits of what a head coach is supposed to do with his players. Teach him. He's 20. That that doesn't justify or excuse his behavior, but he's 20. And and as a head coach, you're supposed to make sure that this type of stuff does not like does not happen. Like if the, these things are supposed to be meant to be internal, they're supposed to be things that you guys handle as a team. And like you said, if you know how is how are players supposed to trust a situation like this ever again with Greg Berhalter at the helm and his staff at the helm? Um, the other thing too is like, you know, listen, this is not, in my personal opinion. It's not going to affect Gio for the rest of his career in terms of how people view him as a player, how people no. view him as a, you know, uh, you know, on the field or even off the field. Let's go back to Weston McKinney and his situation back in the middle of COVID when he had the whole thing, the breach of COVID and, and all the different behavioral issues that that were leaked again to the media that people know about Weston McKinney now. Now, I think it's still years, a couple years later now, I think people don't view him as a bad soccer player. I think people have viewed him as maturing a little bit uh, from, from that point. And I think that this will be, you know, again, Wes McKinney at that point was young, probably I think 20 years old at that point. Gio Reyna's 20 years old at this point. He's going to mature. Yeah. He has a great background of players that he is in constant contact. I mean, his dad is Claudia Reyna. Like there's, no, there's I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine, but it's more, what I, I guess what I'm saying is it's more, like now Greg has to like it's more I, on Greg now and people are going I to- just don't see a world though where Gio Reyna feels comfortable coming yeah. back to represent the national team exactly. with Greg Berhalter as leader. Yeah, and that's what I I'm think, trying to say. Yeah, I don't think that's particularly just the case with Gio Reyna. I think it might be with a lot of other players that aren't extremely close to him. But I know I as a player going into it would feel really uncomfortable knowing anything that happens within those four walls can then be leaked to the media and used to portray an image of me that isn't necessarily correct. And I think in putting out the statement, he kind of fixed the narrative and made people understand his side, but it's football focus on the game to me. Like the fact that this happened at the world cup to me was unreal yeah focus on the game yeah i mean listen it's it's something that i mean again at the fact that it happened at the world cup whatever i mean it's something that had to be addressed but the fact that around the world cup now we have to talk about this after the world cup leading into the next cycle leading into the next friendlies it's gonna be a topic of conversation like you said if greg berhalter is remains the coach it will continue to be a topic of conversation for every friendly every game every international camp that Giorena can be selected to and you know there was a um something that was just up on the screen and I'll bring it up again here does all the drama hurt all this drama hurt Greg or Gio more now personally I I think it hurts Greg more because I think that again like you said it's it's going to be inside the camp like players aren't going to be able to trust him or trust this the staff that is around them that they're supposed to have you know I guess there's supposed to be some sort of confidentiality in all of that and, and internal and respect. So how do you, as a player, like you said, go back into camp and, 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 and say any, like, how do you share your feelings? How do you feel comfortable in that environment I think, um, under Greg Berhalter and under that? that yeah. Staff? I think you saw it a little bit throughout the world cup 
that Greg had lost control of his locker room. Mm -hmm. He had broken relationships. There was little respect. And you could see the media exchange when Greg Berhalter said that Gio Reyna was experiencing tightness, to which then he quickly responded in that same mix zone that he was fine and ready to go. And with several other players, we saw little incidents here and there. But he has completely lost control of that locker room. And you can't have a head coach guiding a team with players that don't respect the coach. Yeah. I think the situation is completely broken. I don't think there's a way up from here um, because it's not only about the sporting aspect of what Greg Berhalter has done, which we've spoken on tons that his impact on the field doesn't merit a contract, but now the leadership he showed off the field does not merit a contract. So though I've heard that um, by his own choice, choice he will not remain with the u.s men's national team yeah it seems like he it's, wants to pursue but this is what i and i was actually gonna bring this up so it was a good segue my personal opinion based on the comments we've seen come out about the new contract we saw the report about them working towards a new contract no. then we saw in that same report we saw that he was also looking at european clubs and hopefully to coach again in europe then shortly after ernie stewart comes out and says nothing's final in my personal opinion this is a whole PR scheme to make sure that Greg saves face while also like choosing a new coach. Like I could totally see it being like, all right, let's put it out there. Let's say we're going to talk with Greg about a new contract, but he has these ideas of moving Europe. They don't, you know, it doesn't want to seem like a failed thing. So let's get Greg into Europe and, you know, not make it seem like a failure over here and kind of smooth over the edges and then bring in a new coach after he goes somewhere else. Like I could see that being the case. Yeah, I don't I don't think he'll stay. And if we want to talk about his coaching abilities. I don't think he can stay, but Yeah, he he really can't. And to me, way beyond this whole saga, something that stood out to me in Gio Arena's quote was saying that prior to the tournament, Greg Berhalter spoke to him and mentioned he would have a limited role in the tournament. And to me, that's First of all, insane that you could tell Gio Reyna that, given his potential ability on the field and whatnot. But you don't even know how the tournament is progressing. Yeah. How can you plan and strategize on something you don't even know is going on? Like, you don't know how other teams are going out to play. You don't know what tactics are going to be changed by the second group stage game. You you simply don't know. And to me, that, that sounds absolutely wild. I'd be interested to know what he also said to Brendan Aronson because you can make the same case for Brendan Aronson that he didn't get, I mean, he got more playing time than Giorena, but didn't start any of the games. Got, you know, like if he said the same thing to Brendan Aronson, like I just don't know how you could go into, that's the thing, right? It's like we talk about competition and how it's great to have all these players fighting for each other. Why tell them that they're going to have a limited role before the World Cup, before they even, like wouldn't you want them to come into camp fighting and, and working their hardest to make the team better as a whole, even if you're not going to play them, like wouldn't you want them with a good mindset coming in? Like, Oh man, I still have a chance to be an important part of this team. Like, wouldn't that be what you yeah. want to say? Like maybe something like, Hey, like, listen, I don't know how much we're going to be able to get, get, get you in here. I, we want to worry about your injury. You know, maybe Bruce Dorman had been in contact with them. Like be careful, whatever, yeah. but we want, we know you're an important part of this team and we're going to do our best to make sure that, you know, we can utilize you in the best way we could possibly think of. Like, wouldn't that People- be a better thing to say? Yeah, people may disagree here. And I, again, I'm speculating on the fact that all I know 
from the situation yeah. or the fact that he get, did not give it his all. There was a lack of effort in the friendlies and in the training sessions. I'm not speaking to any other behavior that may have occurred behind the scenes, but yeah. if you tell an injury prone player, you are not going to be a huge part of this tournament. You're going to have an extremely limited role. He goes into friendlies and yeah. training sessions with a lack of effort, given his history, there's so yeah. much history of injury and during training sessions, during friendlies. Do you expect him to give it his all? Like, do you want a crazy amount of effort on a scrimmage ahead of a tournament? You'll play a limited role. Yeah. Like, well, that's that, the thing, right? That sounds contradictory. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he should disrespect the coach's wishes and, to all of that extent, extent, but at what point do you also understand where Gio Reyna is coming from at 20 years old? Yeah, I mean, granted, listen, this is this is the World Cup, so obviously, as a coach, you expect everybody. And and this comment, I'll read out real quick because I think you know this is also a great point. Greg was a player on this team before; he should understand the emotion that Gio was going through. I mean, he's done this, you know, he should understand that. But you know, it's a World Cup. They should, you should be giving your all, your all no matter what, but this is not your typical world cup, right? Gio gets injured in this world cup. It affects the second half of his entire club season. Right. This isn't like he gets injured. He pulls up on a hammy in the middle of June and he's got two months to recover before the ne- his first club game. Like this has nothing to like, this is like you said, like he's an injury prone kid who has just gotten back into form and playing with his club team and, you know, I'm sure he has aspirations of continuing to grow and continuing to be a better player. And, you know, sometimes what do they say, right? When you're, you know, you, you ever watch football, like American football and, and guys, you know, go down before they're going to be hit or they drop the ball. It's like, they're making a business decision, right? Yeah. This was kind of a business. This might've kind of may kind of been a business decision from Gio Reyna's perspective. Um, in just the sense that, listen, like if I'm, I'm not going to have a ton of time at this world cup to do much, doesn't sound like I'm going to be playing much. I don't want to push myself any harder than I think I can go and possibly cause an injury. Like, that's a great point. Who, who knows? I just don't think Greg Berhalter handled that correctly in telling players yeah. that prior to kicking off the tournament. You might say it ahead of one game. Say, listen, you're not going to play a huge game against England because X, Y, and Z tactic yeah. that I chose to start with today. Yeah. But overall, I think... It'll do more damage to Greg Berhalter. I think it was handled correctly. And when the idea of where do we go from here is posed, I think you need a new fresh face inside that locker room to handle it correctly. Yeah. And two other quotes that came out regarding the situation. Um, someone within Borussia Dortmund also came out in defense of Gio Reyna and said, We've known him, and I'm paraphrasing here, but we've known him for years. We know um, his character. We know the type of person he is, and we are behind him 100%, which was interesting because he has been there for a while, and they know him better than um, a national team coach. But another quote that was interesting to me in kind of understanding the locker room of the U.S. men's national team at the World Cup was by DeAndre Yedlin, and he said this – during a mixed zone after one of the games, he said, we built a foundation and a culture that, you know, if guys, you know, don't fit into that culture, 
then you probably won't be with the group. There's a lot of people that have taken this one way or another, but to me, that kind of reads intimidating. And I might be wrong here. I know there's, again, people that disagree, but to me, that sounds intimidating and not as welcoming as it may have been intended to be. I think to me, it screams, if you don't fit into our clique, you're not going to do well. And I brought this up in terms of dual nationality players looking into this situation and looking into all these quotes when making a decision. I think it'll play a huge part of that. And there's a, a new generation of dual nationality players coming up right now and hoping to make that decision. Um, Jogo, you have Richie, you have a couple players right now deciding. And this to me seems if I don't fit into this group, I'm not going to fit in at all. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you, you, you want to represent a national team that you feel comfortable with. And David Ochoa and Julian Araujo spoke on this when deciding to go for Mexico, that they just felt so at home with the team and everybody welcomed them with open arms and they felt proud to sport that jersey. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this quote will play a role in that, but kind of this peek into a somewhat toxic locker room has provided me with certain insight that might be shared with dual nationality players. Yeah, I mean, Yedlin, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, he's not going to be there when the next World Cup cycle rolls. Like, he's not going to be there ever again. So it's not like, like he's <laughs> like literally, like, I, honestly, his, I understand, like, I get what he's trying to say, but, you know, and, and obviously, like you said, I, I don't, I don't think it's, you shouldn't be intimidating people or like, right. I think he probably tried to come out and say like, listen, we want to like, we're a brotherhood here, blah, blah. You know, we're, we want to stick together. You know, we want, you know, we all want to have the same plan, but he did not word it that way, which I think can be taken one way or the other. Um, But I, I I don't know. I, I think if you keep Greg on, it probably affects the dual national situation. But I think if you get a new coach and, you can kind of feel a different, you know, vibe there. And I, I don't, I don't know if I, I think if Greg stays on, it becomes an issue, but I don't think, I think if he's gone, I don't think it's that much of an issue. I, I think they will be okay. Getting, you know, national team players, dual national team players. Um, because of the, like, I don't think this is going to make that much of a difference, but it may make a role in, you know, I think there's going to be a certain amount of players that are already like, listen, I'm going to play for the U.S. A certain amount of players are going to be like, oh, I'm already going to play for Mexico. But there might be a handful that are in the middle and are really unsure that this may drag them in one direction or the other. I just don't think it's going to be um, a large sum of people, I guess. I guess was one. Yeah, I think what's disappointing for me is that I truly thought after the World Cup, the U.S. men's national team would focus predominantly on the sport aspect yeah. But it's sad to see a somewhat broken locker room, whether yeah. that be with a coach within certain players, if there's cliques, if there's groups. There's so much work to be done off the field that is concerning. Where it but I think that's all fixed when you, if you get a new coach. Like I think there's a lot of things that can be fixed if you get a new, if you bring in a new regime. Like a new yeah, but there's hierarchy. still work to be done. For sure, for sure. There's definitely still work to be done. But I think that in terms of culture. I think when you bring in a new coach, I think that a lot of that can change because sound, because from my view of it, a lot of it is not 
like maybe this thing from Yedlin is, but a lot of the other stuff is more Greg Berhalter stuff than and Greg Berhalter staff stuff than right than team or player stuff. It's not like there's a lot of infighting in between the players. It's or there like, there was, and again to a certain extent, this is all allegedly in speculation. Yeah, from sources and leaks, but the story came out that um, Gio Reyna and Tyler Adams had to be physically separated during a training session. Those situations kind of sound like Greg Berhalter has imposed some sort of toxicity within that locker room that causes players to act in a certain way. And I agree with you that obviously there is a shift when a new head coach and his um, coaching staff come in. But I think that is something that has to be addressed and taken care of, even if it's a new figure, come in and have to rebuild that trust with the players instead of it being this innate factor that they once had with Greg Berhalter. Yeah. And I mean, again, I I guess my feeling on that is I don't have a problem with if Gio Reyna is not performing up to the, the standard. Like I don't have a problem with players wanting to make sure that other players are accountable for their actions. Like I don't have a problem if, if he's a captain, right? Like, you know, Tim Weah shouldn't be going up to Gio Reyna and like getting in his face, but Tyler Adams, the captain. I think part of that is like accountability thing, holding other players accountable for what they should be doing. So I, I, again, I don't have necessarily a problem with that, but I can understand where it would be taken. Like, listen, like there is, cause there is, I think a toxicity among the group of the wider group of the U S men's national team. I do I think, think there's that there's a lot of tension running. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. tensions are high and I think though a new coaching staff can calm that down. I think it'll yeah. take a little bit of work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But where do we go from here? We don't know, but stay tuned. We'll see. What's um, the next international break is in January or something like that. Right. I think they have good end of January, beginning of February. They have friendly schedule for. Yeah. And then March. Um, so and then fun. nations league comes right in and then <laughs> oh, we have right. cup. <laughs> In the summer, oh. and then, yeah, we have a bunch of things coming up, even though there's no CONCACAF qualifiers. We have a bunch of tournaments. There's also yeah. talk that CONCACAF will team up with CONMEBOL for Copa America. Um, it is true that Canada, the U.S. men's national team, and Mexico are all negotiating, so it's not just one nation of the three. Um, the word is that it will be on U.S. or on yes. U.S., Mexican, and, and Canadian soil and as well. Canadian soil. Yes. So that is definitely something to look forward to in terms of competition. But the game, a semifinal game, Croatia. We do have a World Cup still to talk about. Yeah, we still have a World Cup, even though no CONCACAF teams are in it. Argentina, Croatia are facing off in about 20 minutes. This Uh, is our combined starting 11 from previous matches and their performances. Um, Gino, would you be so kind as to pick a team? Would I be so kind to pick a team? Um, I think it's going to be interesting, right? It's going to be the Croatian midfield is going to probably overwork the or or outplay the Argentinian midfield, as you can see here. They're not, the Argentinian midfield is not highly um, showcased in our, (laughs) or the back line, right? It's going to be a lot of, you know, I think. The problem I have with picking Croatia, I guess, is that other than the Canada game, they've kind of been very, you know, they've had, they've been solid defensively, solid in possession, but haven't been that attacking force. Like they haven't really 
even in the Belgium game that they tied, they probably should have lost that game. So like they had, that's where I worry about the Croatian teams, like uh, scoring goals, I mm-hmm. guess would be my worry there. Um, but again, the Argentinian defense and the Argentinian midfield are not nearly as good as what we've seen from the, the Croatian team. So I think the Croatian team is going to be much more organized than the Argentinian team. I think they're going to have a plan and they're going to stick to that game plan and they're going to be hard to break down for sure. But you know, Argentina has Leo Messi. So, um, I think that this game probably goes to extra time. Hmm. I'm going to say it's going to be, I don't, you know what? I'm going to say it's not going to be whenever first game that is going to be decided in extra time that does not go to penalties. Interesting. So I'm going to go with, and this is probably more of a heart rather than a mind okay. thing, but I'm going to go with Leo Messi and Argentina 2-1 in extra time. Lovely. I am full force Croatia. <laughs> a lot of explaining to get to there, but that's where no, I am <laughs> full force Croatia for this. Um, I would love to see Luka Modric continue thriving, <laughs> even at the age of 37. He's been absolutely everywhere, so deserves this. And I personally do not want to see Argentina win. Yes, um, well, I understand, but I have, I, I have, you know, I, I have a personal think... bias towards Messi in, in Argentina. No, so. I, I appreciate Messi. Obviously, there is no denying his abilities, tactical abilities, and whatnot. <laughs> And certain players have also been um, doing extremely well during this tournament. I have just been disappointed overall at the quality of this team. I think yeah, their no, victories have been extremely dragged out. Everyone's suffering. Like it, it just hasn't been a strong team. And I think no, the the Netherlands honestly should have done a better job at stopping them. But um, obviously, anything can happen in penalties. Yeah. It's it's so much more luck than skill. But again, but, I mean, this Argentina team was up two nothing, right, against Netherlands. Like it's not yeah, like and they, then they conceded too. Yeah, yeah. Like so, I don't think it's unreasonable to think because Netherlands has a solid defense too. Like they have a solid structure, very organized. We all know you love Virgil Van Dyke, as as we saw against the United States. Uh, yes, I just love Virgil Van Dyke so much. Um, but as we saw against the United States, they were very organized, like you know your typical European team and just being organized. They had a, they have a strong back line, and Argentina was able to get a, get up a couple goals in them. Obviously, it's going to come down to if they do get up, how, can they hold on to that lead? As we saw against Netherlands, but um, but I, I, I yeah, I guess it's like I said, it's more of a, a heart over mind in this one. <laughs> I don't know. I just have not been impressed by Argentina and I don't want to see them win. Weird. I, because I be, they beat be Mexico very okay. to nothing though. What? They beat Mexico to nothing. So, you yeah, know, no, I'm okay with that, but I, would, I was very impressed with that. Very pleased. I'm so glad. <laughs> um, I don't mind not seeing Messi lift a world cup trophy. I'm personally <laughs> completely at peace okay with that. Okay with that. I, yeah. I'd be completely okay with that. I, think France is going to win the World Cup again anyway. Um, they're they do look like the best out of the four teams. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. They're showing. But who knows? Morocco has been shocking the world. So maybe they'll shock yeah, the world I mean, one more Morocco time. Morocco is definitely interesting. I I that do is. think France is going to take it home, though, again. I, yeah. It would be a, like they obviously Morocco has beaten some really good teams, but yeah. it would be It'd next be. level if they were to beat France, I think. Okay. So beyond the World Cup, and just to wrap up this 
explained episode. <laughs> I have good news for newly Liga MX fan Gino, who was so sad to await the league that would supposedly start around the MLS, which starts February 25th. Liga MX actually kicks off January 6th. Um, but news for you. Oh, yay. There's a preseason tournament <gasps> called Copa wow. por Mexico that okay. started yesterday. Okay. So I can really, teams- this, this will be how I decide my team. I'll just watch it's all the games. Much- well, it doesn't include all the teams. It includes okay. eight. Okay. Um, some phenomenal figures there. You have Santos, you have Cruz Azul, you have Tigres. Um, you're going to have Club America as well. But you have several options. And this will be your teaser into Liga MX. Sounds good. Where can we watch that? For all you of can. us for all of us new fans of the Liga MX, well, where can we watch this? It is on Beaks, um, this new platform by Televisa. So, And we can put that link up in the description. Yeah, how do you spell but, that? <laughs> V-I-X. V-I-X. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. And TV. additionally, we will be doing a Gino Picks at Liga MX team on this podcast very, very soon because the league At starts, some point. We're just, yes, we're just waiting for the transfer market to calm down a little bit and yes. um, officially go on so that reinforcements are there and he can pick who his favorite is. Yeah, once, once you know, once the World Cup slows down past the holidays, right before we get into, like, r- literally right before the season. We'll do an episode right yeah. before the season starts, and I will pick my League MX team, and I will I'm walk so you through my decision. Love that, and we'll also Which hopefully will be very in-depth. We'll hopefully in- be love an in-depth <laughs> conversation about Liga MX. Um, we'll also, yeah, be doing a Liga MX Explained for all the cute, fun, um, quirky rules that this league boasts quirky. in comparison to MLS and Ooh. European teams, which are Nominal. plenty. 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 So much fun. Looking forward to it. So much fun. For sure. Quirky yes. rules. Um, well, let's start. Quirky rules like uh, like like penalty shootouts where the goalkeeper has to run out and it's like a one on one like old MLS days. Um, unfortunately, not. But uh, um, that's unfortunate. Fun little story. I don't even want to watch anymore. What's no, the point? <laughs> fun little story. You can only have a certain amount of foreign based players on the field at the same time. On the field at the on same the time. Field at the same. So time. you can only what? What's the number? I believe it's. It might be three or five. I forget because they just recently changed it. But during la, um, the Clausura <laughs> finals, or I believe it was the semifinals. Imagine like the Premier League being like you can only have a certain amount of numbers. Yeah, of no, that, this is what I mean by weird at the same time. But Tigres lost a Liguilla match. And <laughs> had they won, they would have been disqualified anyway because. Miguel Herrera, El Piojo, didn't realize that he had more than the allotted amount of players inside the field at the same time. So even if they had won, they'd be... What is it? Like, you got to look at the card. Okay, I want to bring this guy on, but he's from Argentina, and I already got three guys out there from from outside of Mexico. That's crazy. Oh, man, that's going to be so... I'm going to be so confused. You also have certain foreign-based players that get... um, either Mexican passports or certain stuff like that. So those gotcha. don't count. 
Gotcha. I'm gonna need. So, I'm gonna need to really look into this. I'm gonna really. No, we're need gonna to have a, we're gonna, I'm gonna pull out my trusty. Gonna be like. I'm gonna be like. Why is this guy now playing? You're be like, well, he's he's foreign, and they had three guys, and then I'm like, but he's foreign too, and you're gonna be like, well, he has a Mexican passport. I'm like, what do I gotta go to the Mexican government and pr- print out a list of the teams that have passports? What are we doing welcome, here? Welcome to chaos. It is <laughs> the most exciting time. I'm just ever. happy to know that Liga MX is equally as chaotic and ridiculous as the MLS. Yeah, well, we were OG chaotic. Yes, and then so the MLS was just like, let's be chaotic too. Yep, so much fun. I'll bring out my like encyclopedia of Liga Mekis and all its crazy rules to go over. But Phenomenal. Something to look forward to for now. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Yes, don't forget to subscribe. Yes, right there. Always forget to say that. <laughs> Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.